Take your Bible, please. Philippians chapter 4. We'll be in verse number 15, starting verse number 15. So why don't we stand together and let's read this passage. Philippians 4 and verse number 15. Now, you Philippians know also that in the beginning of the gospel, when I departed from Macedonia, no church shared with me concerning giving and receiving, but you only. Even in Thessalonica, you sent aid once and again for my necessities. Not that I seek the gift, but I seek the fruit that abounds to your account. Indeed, I have all and abound. I am full, having received from Epaphroditus the things sent from you, a sweet-smelling aroma, an acceptable sacrifice, well-pleasing to God. And my God shall supply all your need according to his riches in glory by Christ Jesus. Father, thank you for your word and thank you for this message you put on my heart to preach. I thank you, Lord, that there's people here I could preach to. I thank you that there's people online that will listen to this word and even those that will listen to it later through social media. Father, bless this sermon. Bless it. Anoint me, Lord, with your spirit that I may proclaim the things of God without hesitation, without any Uh, uh, without any reservation or embarrassment. Let the word of God go forward. Let it cut us. Let it do surgery in our hearts. May it penetrate our body, soul, mind, and spirit. Let it penetrate our life and make us better as a result. So Holy Spirit, come. Do your work through the word of God today. And we thank you for the privilege we have and the freedom we have to proclaim your word this morning. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. You may be seated. So we're entering uh, the conclusion of the letter Paul wrote to the Philippians. Uh, Today and next week should probably wrap it up. And then we'll go in another direction after that. But this is coming after multiple sermons on the topic of peace. All from Philippians chapter 4. The topic today is a different topic. The topic today is God's economy. God's economy. That's not the title of the sermon, but it's the topic of this of the sermon. Notice in verse number 15, it says that uh, Paul saying no other church uh, got involved with me or shared with me this principle of giving and, and receiving. It's a it's a business term. No one in, no one uh, interacted with me uh, in terms of giving and receiving anything. You're the only church that helped me in my in my journeys. Uh, Verse number 19 says that my God shall supply all your needs. So you can see that this passage has to do with finances and giving. But more than that, it has to do with the person's heart. Because you could, I could say this right out front, you could be a very, you could give a lot to the church or give a lot. But if your heart's not in the right place, it really produces no good fruit in your account, which which we just read about. But... um, Verses 15 through 19 uh, really talk about the giving heart. Uh, let, me, let me talk about God's economy. Three aspects of God's economy. It's nothing like what you might have learned in school. It's nothing like you might have learned from the government. It's all about serving God, trusting God, 
and giving to the cause of God and somehow believing that God will meet your need as you make it through life. It's not about getting rich on earth. It's about getting rich in glory. So he's talking about the Philippians giving heart. This includes their their gifts, their money, their heart, their attitude. And uh, this church personified what Jesus taught in Matthew chapter 6. I want to read this uh, from the message translation. Matthew 6, starting at verse number 19. It says, don't hoard treasure down here where it gets eaten by moths and corroded by rust, or worse, stolen by burglars. Stockpile treasures in heaven, that's what Jesus said, where it's safe from moth and rust and burglars. It's obvious, isn't it? The place where your treasure is, is the place you will most want to be and end up being. Your eyes are windows into your body. If you open your eyes wide in wonder and belief, your body fills up with light. If you live squinty-eyed in greed and distrust, your body is a musty cellar. Anyone have a musty cellar? I can show you one real quick. It's right across the way. But anyway, (laughs) if you live squinty-eyed in greed and distrust, your body is a musty cellar. If you pull the blinds on your windows, what a dark life you will have. You can't worship two gods at once. Loving one God, you'll end up hating the other. Adoration of one feeds contempt for the other. You can't worship God and money, both. If you decide for God, living a life of God worship, it follows that you don't fuss about what's on the table at mealtimes or whether the clothes in your closet are in fashion. There is far more to your life than the food you put in your stomach, more to your outer appearance than the clothes you hang on your body. Look at the birds, free and unfettered, not tied down to a job description, careless in the care of God. And you count far more than him, than the, uh, to him than the birds. Has anyone by fussing in front of a mirror ever, ever gotten taller by an inch or so? All this time and money wasted on fashion. Do you think it makes much difference? Instead of looking at fashions, walk out into the fields and look at the wildflowers. They never primp or shop. But have you ever seen color and design quite like it? The 10 best dressed men and women in the country look shabby alongside of them. If God gives such attention to the appearance of wildflowers, most of which are never even seen, Don't you think he'll attend to you, take pride in you, do his best for you? What I'm saying to do here is to get you to relax, to not be so preoccupied with getting so you can respond to God's giving. People who don't know God and the way he works fuss over these things, but you know both God and how he works. Steep your life in God reality, God initiative. God provisions. Don't worry about missing out. You'll find all your everyday human concerns will be met. I'm going to stop right there. That's a prelude to the message today. That was Jesus' teaching. I've entitled the message, Giving and Receiving, today. I'm going to go verse by verse like we do. And then I'll give you some thoughts for application regarding God's economy. Let me, let me start by saying this. Uh, 
giving is not an essential to the faith. In other words, you can be saved without giving. You know, there's certain essentials, like believing in Christ, his death and resurrection, etc. Giving is not an essential. You can be saved without giving, but you can't really be blessed beyond measure without giving. And by giving, like those missionaries over there, we will, we will give other people an opportunity to hear the word of God. In Philippians uh, 4.15, the church of Philippi was the only church that entered into the labors of Paul. So you can't say all the other churches weren't good or they weren't right or anything. No, they were good churches too. Ephesus, uh, Thessalonica, Rome, you know, they were good churches. They just didn't enter into the labors of, of, uh, of Paul and of the Lord. But uh, they did. And so we see that in order to get the blessing in verse number 19, there's a correlation between God seeing our heart of giving, our heart of service, and his provision for us at the same time. Although I would say that verse 19 does stand on its own, but how much more does verse 19 stand on the fact that verses 15, 16, and 17 are being addressed in our own lives? But blessing from God does not necessarily mean abundance from God. Blessing means well-being in, in mind and soul and spirit and material provisions. It doesn't mean extravagance. It means that God will take care of us. And we don't give to get. If that's our attitude it's never going to happen. You know, we don't give to get from God, but we give in obedience to God. We give uh, in obedience to the word of God, and we give with an attitude of evangelism in the process. If I give to God, someone's going to benefit by this and maybe hear the gospel and maybe get saved. So, let's start with verse 15. He starts out by saying, Now you Philippians, you know... I just want to calm. That would be like me saying, "Now you new lifers." It would make it personal, wouldn't it? Paul saying, "I, I know you Philippians. I, I know you. I know you. You know heart to heart. But I want to. I, I want to embrace you. I want to be emphatic that what I'm about to say is just for you. It suggests closeness and care for the people. In Second Corinthians six, Paul says something similar. He says, "Oh Corinthians." We were wide open with you. We shared our heart with you. In Galatians 3, he says, Oh, foolish Galatians, who has bewitched you? But Paul is being endearing to the people he's writing to. And uh, he's saying to them, Oh, you, you Philippians, you know, you who are dear to my heart, you know what I'm about to say. You're my joy. You're, you're my love. I, I care about you. Chapter 1 was all about that. But he says, You, you Philippians, you know also that in the beginning of the gospel, well, what he means by that is when you first heard the gospel, remember there was Lydia and her household. There was a servant girl that, was, that had a demon. There was the Philippian jailer and his household. All these people came to know Christ. But in the beginning of the gospel, right? In the beginning of the gospel, when, when you first heard the word of God, when your church was beginning, probably 10 to 12 years prior to this writing, when I departed from Macedonia. So you get the idea that Paul was in Philippi, which is in Macedonia. When he was leaving there, they were the only church 
that shared with Paul concerning giving and receiving. They were the only church that entered into his labors and provided the things that he needed. And uh, that, that phrase, giving and receiving, has a lot of meaning to it. Um, it's a business term. It means opening up an account to do business. So they began to uh, embrace Paul, pour into Paul's life and ministry. He benefited from it. And um, they're giving and receiving. They're collecting things, giving it to God. But they're also giving things to Paul and receiving blessing from God. So there's a relationship involved with giving and receiving. Like, for instance, we're blessing those missionaries over there on the map. But you have to know there's a spiritual component to the giving. We're blessed by supporting them. Now, one thing I remember a long time ago, we were pastoring in another church. And um, a missionary came to talk to us. His ministry was Royal Ranger Ministry, which is a ministry to boys in the Assemblies of God. And he was going over to, I think, Thailand to start a Royal Ranger program. At that moment in time, we didn't have a Royal Ranger program. We hardly had any kids at that time. But we said, yeah, we'll pick you up and we'll bless you with an offering you know, every month for as long as we can, which we did for a long, long time. But, you know, within a year or so, we had our own Royal Ranger program going on. We had kids started coming to the church. I think it was related to the fact that we, we caught his vision and we supported his vision uh, financially and prayerfully, and the blessing began to fall upon our fellowship. Same type of thing here. The Philippian church was the only church that got involved, and Paul tried to teach the other churches about this. Listen to this. In Romans fifteen twenty seven, Paul writes to the Roman church, if the Gentiles have been partakers of their, of their spiritual things, the Jewish spiritual things, Their duty is also to minister to them in natural things. In 1 Corinthians 9, it says, If we have sown spiritual things for you, is it a great thing if we reap your material things? So Paul's saying, it's good if if you've received a spiritual blessing, pour into that ministry that blessed you. That's really all that he's saying. But it says to the Philippian church, you're the only ones that joined in. So we can't say it's mandatory because it's not mandatory. But if you want the approval of God and the blessing of God, I think is a good place to start. Okay, verse number 16, Paul says, even in Thessalonica, when I was in Thessalonica, I went there to minister. You sent aid once and again for my necessities. And if you really study the two books of Thessalonica, you'll see Paul was saying to them, look, I never burdened you. I worked with my own hands. And he also got support from the Philippian church. But He's kind of like saying to them, look, you, this didn't cost you anything, but you, know, you should be thinking about blessing those that minister to you. Um, so Paul is saying, okay, I, 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 uh, I I'm rece- received your blessing when I ministered in Thessalonica. Philippians 1, verses 4 and 5, Paul is saying something. We talked about this a few weeks ago, but he says to the Philippians, you're in my heart. You're in my prayers You're in my chains. You're in my defense of the gospel. You're partakers with me of this grace. It was demonstrated by their commitment to his life, praying for him, caring for him, giving him gifts and offerings and financial support and so on. So verse number 17, 
he says this, you know, we got into this last week a little bit. Not that I seek the gift, but I'll just put a footnote in. I think he really appreciated the gift, whatever it was, financially or whatever it was. But I'm not seeking the gift, but I'm seeking the fruit that abounds to your account. I'm, I'm seeking your heart, your soul, your spirit. And that raises a question to everyone. What is in your account with God? What kind of fruit are you building up in your account with God? Are you building treasures in heaven? That's what Matthew 6 was all about. Are you establishing those crowns that are mentioned throughout the New Testament? But Paul desires the overflow of their giving, which is their heart, their blessing, their camaraderie, their material support. Yes, but even more than that, he wants the fellowship of the saints. I'll just mention these missionaries again. They depend on our finances. They do. But they depend more upon our camaraderie. If I've heard it once, I've heard it a thousand times. Pray for us. Pray for our kids. Our kids are sick. We have to go to school and do all this stuff. Pray for the culture we're ministering in. It's very difficult. Pray for us. Pray for us. And when they come home on furlough, often they'll call us and say, can we come and visit with you? And yeah, we'll bless them with an offering. But more than the offering, they want to know that the people that are supporting them love them and care for them. And when that happens, and that, that's what's happening here, the blessing falls upon the fellowship that's doing that. So, okay. So verse number 18, he says, um, Indeed, I have all and about... I, I, this, this is interesting. He's in jail. He's in a, under house arrest in jail. I don't know that he has everything he needs, but he says, I have all, I, I abound, I'm full. I received from Epaphroditus the things that you sent through him. So he's content where he is. He has the belongings, the finances that he needs, the whatever, the food, the clothes, or whatever, the books. And uh, he has the support of another, of a church, Church of Philippi. But then he goes into this description of what the gifts were. And I want to take a little bit of time to talk about this. The first thing he says is, these gifts that you sent to me are a sweet-smelling aroma. If you would, uh, turn with me. Uh, I'll give you, should I count to ten? But go to Ephesians chapter 5, in verse number 2. Ephesians 5, 2. It says, uh, walk in love as Christ also has loved us and given himself for us, an offering and a sacrifice to God for a sweet-smelling aroma. Jesus' sacrifice to God, to the Father, was a sweet-smelling aroma. And Paul says in verse 18, chapter 4, verse 18, your gift to me was a sweet-smelling aroma. Well, you know, well pleasing to God, but it was something, something that I received. It was, it was a blessing to me. It, I realized it was sacrificial, but you blessed me with this gift of the sweet smelling aroma. Now go over, over to uh, Romans chapter twelve, where he says your your gift was an acceptable sacrifice. Romans twelve two says. Uh, don't, don't be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect uh, will of God. Their gift was acceptable, an acceptable sacrifice. 
We don't know exactly what it was, but it was something probably usable, something that he needed, something that meant something to Paul. It wasn't something frivolous or not thought through. It was a sweet-smelling aroma. It was an acceptable sacrifice, which tells us that often our giving will be sacrificial. If it doesn't you know, cost us a little bit, then how good is that sacrifice that we're giving? And then he says, it was well-pleasing to God. Your, your giving to me was well-pleasing to God. If we could go to uh, Hebrews chapter 13, just for a second. Hebrews 13 and verse number 16. We may look at this one later, but Hebrews 13, 16 says, Don't forget to do good and to share, for with such sacrifices, God is well pleased. And so we have to ask ourselves the question, are, are, is our giving like that? Is our giving, you know, a sweet-smelling aroma? Is it an acceptable sacrifice? Is it well-pleasing to God? And we're not talking about the amount, even. We're talking about the heart. The widow's might. The widow gave the most out of everybody. But it was pleasing to God. Let me share a quick testimony as I think back on our a few years ago, about five years ago, we had a, a building fund, a building drive. We were going to build a new church, you know. Some of you new people may not know. We were going to build a new church. So we had a, uh, a fundraising campaign for about a year, year and a half. And uh, we had a specialist come in and talk to us and how to raise money. And if you were here at the time, you remember I preached about tithing for like a whole month straight, which was a stretch for me, but I did it. Under, under the guidance of someone that's supposed to know what they're doing. And so they told me what to do. And, but the fruit of that was exceptional. We had pledges. A lot of people gave money. We'd raised about $250,000. It's amazing. But during that time, everyone had to make a pledge. Or not every, they didn't have to, but if, if you wanted to. And so, yeah, so we presented that. Then the, the specialist told me, they said, Pastor Rick, you got to tell the church what your pledge is. I said, well, I don't really want the church to know what my pledge is. Thank you very much. He says, but you have to because you're the leader. I don't know if anyone remembers this. Remember, Patty? And I, I said, all right, I'll tell everyone what my pledge was. I'll tell you what it was. It was $300 a month for a year. I think it was a year. Was it a year? I forget right now. Three years. Three years. That's even, that's even better. <laughs> $300 for three years. Now, that was above my tithe which I sent to our district, that was above my missions giving, which is my offering. This was another $300. So I'm acting in faith. God, you're going to have to do something with this because I, I don't know. That's like a car payment. You know what I mean? So I did it. I did it. I don't know how I did it, but Pamela, we pitched, a, we did it. We contributed. We were part of the body. We built up this fund and everything. And I kind of let it go. I, I didn't think much about it. And then when COVID hit, in 2020, right around that time, we got the estimate for the new building. You know what the estimate was? Six million dollars. So our 250 seemed minuscule compared to the six million. So then COVID hit, then everything went kind of south. But God remembered that giving. So how does that relate to all this? Let me just tell you something. My car history is not good. <laughs> right? But around 2020, 2021, we had those stimulus checks. Out of the blue, people were giving me money. I'm telling you, out of the blue. 
people gave me money. I had accumulated, you know, close to like $15,000, $18,000. And with that money, I was able to purchase in cash the vehicle that we drive right now. And, and I'm just saying, there's something about the way God works. God's economy is different. If someone, some specialist said, you can't give $300 a month for three years, or you, you can, you're just hardly making it now. Well, we did it. It was hard, but we did it. And, and I forgot about it. And a couple of years later, we have this nice car that we're able to drive in. And, and at that time, that was really important because we were taking trips to New York to visit my mom and my family. So we needed a good vehicle to do that. The other vehicle, I always came back with a story about that other vehicle. Either the thing broke down on the highway, the windshield wipers broke in a rainstorm, something happened all the time. But now the Lord has blessed us with a decent vehicle. I'm just saying. When, when you give, it's got to be a sweet-smelling aroma, uh, an acceptable sacrifice, and well-pleasing to God. Now, I, I realize some of you don't get what I just said about giving above and beyond what you think you have. But you'll get it sooner or later. And I think that verse number 18, anyway, when Paul says, I, I have all, I abound, I'm full, he's saying that because he realized what they gave him, regardless of what it really was, and I'm sure it was something good, but whatever it was, was a sweet-smelling aroma. It was acceptable to God. It was, it was something pleasing to his spirit and to his soul. So then, verse number 19, in that setting, he says, Now my God... The God that I know and serve. Just like when David said in Psalm 63, he said, uh, Oh God, my God, early will I seek you. Paul saying, Oh my God, the one that I know, he will supply all your need according to his riches and glory by Christ Jesus. Now, like I said, I think verse 19 will stand by itself. I do. Any Christian, God will provide for your needs. But in the context of the passage, you can't deny that it's related to verse number 15. That in the context of giving and serving and sacrificially blessing other people, then my God will supply all of your need because you're giving out of your, your need or your, your, not your lack of abundance. You're just giving. And in that setting, God will supply all your need. So, giving with uh, begrudgingly Giving with a sour puss. Giving with, oh, I don't want to do this. Negates the fruit in your account. <laughs> you ever notice in 2 Corinthians, Paul said, The Lord loves a moody giver? Reluctant? A sour puss? No, the Lord loves a cheerful giver. So whatever it is you have, you know, the Lord's looking at not only the amount you give, but your heart behind what you give. So I want to talk about some principles here. Sorry, we don't have any, uh, for the over, anything for the overhead today, but I'll try to make it clear so you could follow my three points. So Philippians 4, 15 through 19, the principle of giving and receiving. Just... To summarize what we said so far, verse 15 and 19 talk about how the church of Philippi entered into a, like a business financial agreement with Paul to bless him and support him. In the process of that, God promises to meet their need. I like that whole principle. 
God's way is different than our ways. But here's number one. Cultivate a giving heart and a giving attitude. You know why I say cultivate? Because for most of us, it doesn't come naturally. We don't, don't like to, I mean, we like to, I don't know, what's the word, hoard? We like to build up our savings account. And, you know, you should, to, you know, you should do that. But you have to cultivate a giving heart and a giving attitude. Uh, again, this whole principle is not mandatory. It's not essential but it is biblical to do this. And it raises a question. If the church doesn't support the propagation of the gospel, who in the world will? If we don't support this church or the cause of Christ, who do we think is going to support it? Uncle Sam? The government with strings attached? I don't want that. Some people that don't know God or don't care. I don't, I don't think that will happen. If the people of God don't support the work of God, then what's going to happen? People, I have this conversation with people. They say, oh, God will provide. And I say, yeah, God will provide. You know how he's going to provide? He's not going to make a money tree out there. Like my mother always used to say, there's no money growing on those trees out there. He's going to provide people that catch the vision and they will give to the cause of Christ. That's how God will provide. Amen. So... Verse 15, as I said, Philippi is the only church, but it's, a, it's Christ-like to be a giving church in heart and in attitude. Luke 6.38, I want to read this from the message. It says this, give away your life and you'll find life given back. Not merely given back, giving back with bonus and blessing. Giving, not getting, is the way. Generosity begets generosity. The King James, New King James Version says, Give, it'll be giving back to you, measure for measure, pressed down, poured in, and running over will flow out of, blessing will flow out of your heart. If you haven't heard the analogy, I'll tell you right now, it's the dumpster analogy. I know I said it a few times. But one of my ministries as pastor of New Life is the dump ministry. Now, it costs money to empty the dumpster out there. I don't like wasting money on garbage. So I'll be, uh, uh, I'm going to make sure that thing is full every time. I had to work out a deal with them because they want to come every four weeks. I said, no, every four weeks it may not be full. Well, that's how we do it. I said, no, no, you have to do better than that. Why don't I call you when I want you to come? All right, well, you could do that. So every time, Pamela, she looks out the window. There's, there's Ricky jumping in the dumpster again. Why am I jumping in the dumpster? To get more trash into the dumpster. Listen, if you ever throw away a box, make sure you stop the box before you put it. It takes too much room. If you stop it, you get way more in there. It's a money thing, actually. But that's the analogy of giving to God. He'll give back to you measure for measure, pressed down, and running over will come the blessing of God in your heart. Not necessarily in your pocketbook, but it's a giving principle. Cultivate the giving aspect of this. Let me read you some scriptures. John three sixteen, which you know. God so loved the world that he gave. 1 Corinthians 3, 6. I planted, Apollos watered, but God gave the increase. Galatians 1.4, Jesus gave himself for our sins. Galatians 2.20, the Son of God uh, loved me and gave himself for me. 
Ephesians 5.25, Christ gave himself for the church. Ebenezer Scrooge, the protagonist in Charles Dickens' A Christmas Carol, was a miserable, nasty, stingy banker. As I read somewhere, he was a cold-hearted miser. He didn't care about anybody or anything. He was cold, distant, uninvolved, unengaged. And he wanted nothing to do with anybody. Until he was awakened. Through a series of dreams and visions, he was what we would say, born again. He was a new creation, had a new heart and a new outlook on life. He could now see and feel and experience life in all of its richness and color and beauty. He could smile. He was giddy even. He could laugh and joke. He could feel joys and the pains of others. And he gave and he gave and he gave. Jesus said, out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. We could also say, based on James chapter 2, out of the abundance of the heart, the hand gives. But to understand God's economy, we have to understand the meaning of new life in Christ. When we're born again, it's just not a free ticket to heaven. It's a different lifestyle on earth. And our money issues take a different priority. It's part of the package deal that the Lord has arranged for us. So, God gave himself for our salvation. We received Christ into our lives. We are changed. And now our number one focus is to know God and to make him known to others. And in order to do that, it's going to cost somebody something. I would say this. Give a smile away. In other words, start a little easy. Give a smile away. Give a compliment away. Give your ego and pride away. Cast it out and build up somebody else by your kind words and your keen observations of their lives. Malachi 3, 8 through 10. We won't go there, but the Lord talks about this. He says, try me in this. In other words, try me in your money. Give your tithe. Give your offering. And see if I don't pour out blessing upon you. You won't have enough room to hold it all. But I would say cultivate an attitude of giving and, and cultivate a giving heart and trust God in this. See if God won't honor your obedience to the word of God. Amen. How's this hitting everybody? All right. It's good. Let me give you number two. Consider your giving a spiritual act. Verses 16 and 17. Paul talked about the giving, but he also talked about the fruit in their account. It may affect your checking account balance. It may make you more creative in how you budget your money. But remember, your giving is a spiritual act. When you give a smile to somebody, that's a spiritual act. You may think it's nothing, but to that person, you may make or break their day. 
If you say a kind word to someone, it's a spiritual act of blessing someone. You give money to the church or money to the cause of Christ, it's a spiritual act of obedience to the Lord. You give your offering to the missionary, it's a spiritual act. Give 10% of your income to the cause of Christ, it's a spiritual act. Going back to Malachi 3, it says, will you rob God? How will you rob God, you may ask? Well, you're, you're robbing God by holding back your tithe and your offering. And you're even cursed because of this. So give to God your tithe and your offering. Let me explain the tithe real quickly. Because I had to learn this many years ago. I didn't know what the word meant. Tithe means a tenth. So you take your money that you make. Everyone says gross or net. Well, I do, do gross, but you can do whatever you want. Take your gross pay that you make. Mathematically figure out what 10% is, either per week or two weeks or a month, whatever you want to do. And that 10% goes to the storehouse. That's the way it works. And people will say, I can't afford to do that. As a friend of mine used to say, I can't afford not to do that. Because your 90% that you have left over will go way farther than the 100% you would have had in the first place. It's true. So, so my giving, I'll just, since I'm talking so freely here today, uh, as an Assembly of God minister in southern New England, which is Massachusetts, Rhode Island, and Connecticut, we have a, a tri-state uh, you know, district. Uh, I am required to give my tithe to the district. My tithe doesn't come here, much to my chagrin, but I'm trying to be obedient because I think the church could use my tithe, but that's another story. And we have other credential holders here, Patty's one, Monica's one, uh, that, you know, we, we tithe to our district. That's the way it's set up. That's what we have to do. But my, so I mathematically figure out, I, I get a paycheck every week. Well, I do it by month, actually, but I figure out what I make, what my gross is every week. I, I mathematically figure out 10% of that. That's what I give to the district. They know, they, I've been doing this for years. I haven't had an increase or a decrease. They know what to expect from me. As, in fact, last year they said, you know what? You're one of the few people that does this so systematically. I said, well, praise the Lord. I, I want to be systematic. But that's my gift to God. And I have to do it with a good heart. And sometimes that's a little bit of a challenge because I wanted to come here, but I, I, it's okay. Then my offering is above my tithing. So Malachi 3, you have tithes and you have offerings. So you have 10% offering. Of the tithe. Now, sometimes for a couple of years or a couple of, I don't know, a couple of seasons of my life, I didn't have much to give in offering wise. So I just gave my tithe. But I started to give my offerings several years ago to our missionaries. So that's my tithe and that's my offering. If I want to do something else and bless another ministry on my own, if I have the money, if I feel the unction to do that, I'll, I'll do that too. But, but that's the way it works. And I, I have to realize that my obedience to this principle is a spiritual act. It's because I'm born again. Otherwise, I wouldn't do it, to be honest with you. I'm born again. I'm a new creation. I see what God's doing. I'm realizing when I give to the district, you know what the district is doing? They're planting new churches. They're helping ministries, pastors that don't have a lot of money, don't have a lot of support. They're giving all that money away to bless people. So I'm happy to be a part of what the district is doing. These missionaries get my offering. I'm blessed when I realize I'm pouring into those missionaries over their families, the kids. 
I'm supporting them the best I can. So, if you would, take your Bible. Let's go to 1 Peter chapter 2. In verse number, well, verses 4 and 5. 1 Peter 2, verses 4 and 5. This talks about spiritual sacrifices. 1 Peter 2, 4. Coming to him as to a living stone, uh, rejected indeed by men, but chosen by God and precious, you also as living stones are being built up a spiritual house, a holy priesthood. So you... You need to think about that, church. We're being built up as a spiritual house, a holy priesthood, so we can offer up spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. So when we're being built up as a spiritual house and a holy priesthood, it incorporates the idea that now we're a giving people to this cause of Christ. This cause that has saved us in the first place, now we're contributors to it in the name of Jesus. And over in Hebrews 13, that I, I read this before, but Hebrews 13 in verse number 16 Let me read verses 15 and 16. So Hebrews 13, 15 and 16. Therefore, by him, by Christ, let us continually offer the sacrifice of praise to God. That is the fruit of our lips, giving thanks to his name. That's what we do during worship. But verse, verse 15, therefore, uh, verse 16. But do not forget to do good and to share. For with such sacrifices, God is well pleased So yeah, let your lips give him praise, but in reality, begin to be a giving church or a a giving person that will bless others. This is well-pleasing to God. And so we have entered into God's economy to do this. And uh, as I said earlier, all this has to be done with a good heart and a good attitude. 2 Corinthians 9, 7, the Lord loves a cheerful giver. The last thing is this. The number three is this. Verse number 19. When we do this, we have to know that God will meet our need. God will take care of us. You know, so we could give and all this stuff. And I could tell you for the last uh, 46 years that we've been saved, the only time I've been hungry is by choice. If I'm fasting, that's the only time I'm hungry. (laughs) Now, the cars haven't been the greatest, but I always got around. God has provided for me and my family. We were able to send our kids off to school, some college, some uh, uh, Bible college and Bible training and stuff. Miracle after miracle of God's provision. Were there sacrifices? Yeah. But, you know, you put God first and God provides. But know that God will take care of you. Um. This reminds me, if we could just take a moment, in chapter 4, Philippians 4, we talked about this a few weeks ago. In verse number 4, Philippians 4, 4, if you rejoice, right? If you're Christ-like, if you're gentle, if you're rapture-ready, if you're praying, that chapter 4, verse 9, verse 7, rather, chapter 4, verse 7, the peace of God will uh, guard your heart and your mind. Yeah, well, if you do all these other things, the, the blessing of God will be on you. Similarly, 
in verses 15 through 19, when we're in the flow of giving and serving and, and, and uh, advancing the kingdom of God, in that setting of being involved in it, God will provide all that we need. I love that. Matthew six thirty three, Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. And all these other things that you're worried about will be added to you. Ephesians 3, 20 through 21. Uh, now to him who is able to do exceedingly abundantly above all that we think or imagine, uh, according to the power that works within us, to him be glory in the church through all generations. Isaiah 43, 18 and 19. It says, do not call to mind the former things. But right here, you might be thinking you had it all pegged what you were going to do with your money. Well, that's in the past right now. You, now you heard this. It's just like a guy I met last week. Not a Christian guy. We were having a discussion. I said, you know what? I want you to read this for yourself. I gave him John 3 about being born again. He read the whole thing. And after we said goodbye, as we were saying goodbye, I said, you know what? You can never say nobody told you. You just read it for yourself. You heard the word. If you heard what you were reading, you heard the word of God. And so right now we're hearing the word of God. This is what this is what this is the word for today. But don't don't call to mind the former things. The Lord says, behold, I will do something new. Now it will spring forth. Now it will happen. Will you not be aware of it? Will you catch it? Or will this new thing go right over your head? Well, some of you are saying, yeah, it's going right over my head because I don't want to part with my money. But the Lord said, I want to do a new thing with you and your finances. I will even make a roadway in the wilderness and rivers in the desert. So God wants to do a new thing and, and bring us to a place of generosity and blessing and so that our storehouse is full. And I believe God is doing that. I just thought of something I probably need to clarify. Now's a good time to do it. I said a few weeks ago that uh, a need was brought to our church and uh, we didn't have enough in our account to bless this particular family with what they were looking for. And uh, some of you may remember, so we had all this money raised for our building fund. That money can't be touched for, uh, for things other than building things. But there was also a big chunk of money in our general fund. But you know what we did last year or the year before? We put most of that money into a, a high interest account with the Assemblies of God that's generating interest. And every quarter, that money is poured back into our account. Without that interest, which is probably three or $4,000 a quarter, we would really be in the hole. So when I say we don't have enough right now, I mean based on this year's income. We don't have enough to be a blessing to people. We have money in the bank, but we can't touch that right now. But that interest is making us float a little bit better in the long run. So I think the Lord is bringing us to a place where, you know what? God will take care of us. But as the Lord takes care of the fellowship, he will take care of each individual in the fellowship as we catch this vision. Let me end this by saying, you're not giving to me. You know, this isn't about the pastor. I haven't gotten a raise in how many years? I don't know, 10 years or whatever. I'm not looking for a raise I'm looking for the fruit of your giving. That's what I'm looking for. I'm looking for the blessing that God will pour upon this fellowship. Okay, why don't we stand and uh, let me just recap these three points. The principle of giving and receiving. Cultivate a giving heart and a giving attitude. 
Consider your giving a spiritual act and know that God will take care of you. Amen. Every head bowed for just a moment. I know I've challenged you today. I know some of you want to be like Ebenezer Scrooge. (laughs) But the, (laughs) the Lord wants to break you out and free you up. So first of all, um, is there anybody here today or maybe somebody online that wants to give your heart away? Because it all has to begin with your heart. You want to give your heart to Jesus. Amen. Okay. Amen. Thank you. Praise the Lord for that. And I wonder if there's others that are challenged by what I just said. The biblical aspect of giving, the God's economy. But I wonder if there's some here today that will say, I may not be there yet, but I'm going to be working towards that in my life. I was like that for a couple of years, actually. Amen? Okay, let's go to the Lord in prayer. Father, your word tells us that you own the cattle on a thousand hills. You own everything. Everything is yours. Our paycheck is yours. Our vehicles are yours. Our homes, our, our toys are all yours. I just, we just pray, Lord, now that after reading this, that we'll get a heart like the Philippian church. We'll have a giving heart. We'll want to bless you, bless others. We'll want to do whatever we can do to advance the kingdom of God. So, Father, I pray for those that raise their hand about giving their heart away. That's where it all begins. Father, we give you our heart right now. We surrender our lives to you afresh right now. We pray, Lord, that you would start a new work within us. We pray, Lord, according to Isaiah 53, that we won't think about the past way that we used to think, but we'll think with a new heart, a new mindset, a new attitude. We pray, Lord, that this new wine of your spirit will go into a new wineskin where it can grow and develop the way you want. We pray that the new wine of your word will not come into the old wineskin that can't handle the new word. We pray, Lord, that new life will be a place of abundance, that we'll be able to bless our missionaries, bless the poor people, bless people that call the office out of the blue asking for help to pay their rent or whatever. We pray, Lord, that we'll be a great blessing to many people in these days. So, Lord, we thank you for your word. I pray, Lord, your blessing upon us as we make our way out of here right now. May your Holy Spirit guide us. May your Holy Spirit continue to challenge us. And may we do our best to walk in obedience to your word. And this we pray in the mighty name of Jesus Christ, our Lord. And everybody said. Amen and amen. Praise the Lord. Well, I'm going to go over to the doorway to greet you. Uh, There's some coffee and snacks in the back. Lee will be at the table uh, if anyone wants information about the the church, church directory app. And listen, there's a whole bunch of bread and hot dog rolls in the cafe. Feel free to get some and take them home and use them.